Welcome to the What's Up with Docs podcast, the documentary podcast for all of us. I'm Tony Bell, the creator and host. Over the past 10 years, I've done archival research for documentary films, gotten a certificate in screenwriting from UCLA, and directed and produced a short, which was my thesis for a master's in visual anthropology at USC. And now I work on the industry side, providing support for filmmakers. The What's Up With Docs podcast will provide an opportunity to discover what drives those of us who are dedicated to the documentary field as a career, even when it gets hard. And we are committed to unapologetically celebrating the voices of those who are not normally heard. In this episode, I speak with mixed race, Choctaw Seminole producer and director, Tracy Rector, about her filmmaking, her new gig with Nia Taro, and her mentorship of the Fourth World Indigenous Media Lab. Like Shaka Khan and Whitney, Tracy is every woman. I spoke with her at the 2020 Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. Here is our conversation. So Tracy is, a, like I said, a filmmaker, and she's actually Choctaw and Seminole, and she does a lot of things, not only in the filmmaking community, but like the arts community as a whole. And I just actually wanted to talk about like when we first met. And at first I was thinking it was like Big Sky last year, but then I remembered it was Louisiana. Louisiana. New yeah. Orleans. So what, what were you doing in Louisiana? So um, I was at the New Orleans Film Festival and I was there as um, a impact producer fellow with Firelight Media. Yeah. And you were one of our mentors. Yeah, I was one of the mentors and it was my first time um, taking part in that and uh, really delving deep into impact, but also my first time being amongst a group of such amazing, like diverse filmmakers and basically an incredibly inclusive environment. And um, so how did you get connected with um, Firelight? <laughs> it was through Big Sky. Every <laughs> every aspect of my career, to be honest, Big Sky was my very first film festival I ever had a okay. film in. And what I've, film was that? It was uh, Teachings of the Tree People. Mm-hmm. And I've been here every year except for one year oh, at wow. the festival. So okay. I've had a film in it every single year, which has been amazing. Um, anyhow, I just mm-hmm. meet so many cool and interesting people here, I think, because when people take time to come to Missoula, Montana, you take time because it's an effort. It is. People hang out here. It's very filmmaker-centric. And one year there was, I think it was 2014, there was a discussion about impact producing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was with Working Films and Sonia Childress. Okay. And that was the first time I ever heard the term impact producing. And... I was like, wait a minute, that's me. That's exactly what I do. I'm, you know, when you wear so many hats and you try to get Mm -hmm. your work out there and advocate for the people, um, there's just so much effort that goes into it above and beyond directing, producing, all of that. Anyhow, I Mm -hmm. just fell in love with Sonia and the way she communicated the intention of her work and followed up with her Mm -hmm. uh, when I got home. And I was like, how can I be part of Firelight? 
And I initially applied to be in the doc lab. Right. They said that I was I had too much life experience. Because you, you know, you've been making a, the films at that, a lot of films. A at lot that of films. Yes. But I was like, wait a minute, but I'm just a DIY filmmaker. I didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just learning as I'm going, and I would really benefit. Mm -hmm. And um, but they, you know, they held their line with reason, um, right? Because they have so many submissions, etc. Mm -hmm. But then she followed up with me and said, you know, hey, we have this impact producers lab it's and it was, you were part inaugural. of the inaugural group mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and she said why don't you apply to this this might be a really good fit for you and there's some crossover with mm -hmm. the documentary lab and so I did and I got into the inaugural program and mm -hmm. it was incredible yeah really yeah. transformative mm -hmm. and affirming and I so think what do you got what do you, me on this path now so yeah. what do you feel like you learn as being part of that program that you didn't know before um, they really emphasize with everyone it's okay to be you and to tell your stories and it's okay to be in community and it's okay to talk about the hard stuff we experience, mm -hmm. but also maybe the things we unintentionally, um, you know, impose upon one another, just, mm. you know, lateral oppressions, oh, the ooh, talk about that. You know, I think, especially as POC filmmakers, as women, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we make up such a minority in the media-making industry mm -hmm. that there's just a lot of uh, imposed restrictions on us and competitions and ways that we have to fight through all these barriers and gatekeepers. And mm -hmm. sometimes we do that to one another just because we're trying to survive in this industry unknowingly or knowingly. Mm -hmm. And they just made space to talk about some of the stuff so you can unpack it and actually address it. And um, I would say decolonize or mm -hmm. indigenize or deconstruct, you know, all these ways of, you know, these lenses that are placed on the work that we do. Um, right. And these methodologies that don't really necessarily serve us as POC filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Because it's not how we see and, and interact in the world. Not inherently, and especially mm -hmm. in the indigenous community. Mm -hmm. And I'm a mixed race filmmaker, so I bring to the table a number of different viewpoints and life experiences. But from my own personal life experience, mm -hmm. I don't experience indigenous communities being as competitive. I experience mm -hmm. us in general and our value systems to be more collaborative and community minded. So yeah, so that's right. It's the the imposition of the values of the broader mm -hmm. like media industry right. um, are inherently not indigenous values. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so just thinking through some of that with that, sp you know, within that space of firelight was amazing. Right. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, but during that, um, during that weekend, they were screening, um, uh, there was, they, showing cuts from a film and I forget the I think it was called do not resist um mm -hmm. and um in the film it was essentially there's this long sequence of you know police and paramilitary um gear and then long sequences mm -hmm. of like black person after black person after black person being shot by the cops field of vision field of vision mm -hmm. yeah and I rem distinctly remembering um L Laura La Laura, Laura, <laughs> Limble, she actually got up and she stopped. She stopped. She she cut off the tape, 
and she addressed the fact that a lot of us in the room were triggered. And we actually had a conversation mm-hmm. about that then and there. And for me, that was just so incredibly powerful to witness and experience because I'm, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm good about knowing what my triggers were, but like at that moment, I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was triggered. But when she said, I'm like, okay, I looked around and everybody kind of had like this glassy eye mm-hmm. <laughs> about, and we were like, a lot of people were kind of, were in a dissociative state. And the fact that we were in a space where that could be called out and we could talk about it right then and there was so incredible and really for me solidified like what is different about firelight yes and and the work on the work that they do yes yeah that was a powerful moment yeah i agree because Mm -hmm. they made space to dive into that conversation right and to um not only dive in and facilitate a good conversation but Mm -hmm. also they closed it out well too so we were just leaving vulnerable and traumatized but mm-hmm. we had some tools to think about what just happened right when we left the room and everybody was given an opportunity to just say their piece and what they felt and a lot of people stood up and just there's a power to being being heard mm-hmm. you know and being validated and essentially having being born witness to it. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but yeah, but I see that in a lot of the work that you've um, done with fourth media. And um, I, you invited me to be, be a mentor for the last year's group in Seattle. And it was such an amazing, powerful um, experience for me. Um, Even though I'm not native American, I'm African American. So I have my, my own identities, but for me in so many ways, it just solidified the, why people, why individual groups need their own spaces where they're being nurtured. And Mm. I was just remembering back um, to last, it was Memorial day weekend. It was my birthday weekend. And I, you took such, such good care of us because Mm. you took care of all of our transportation and you had people telling us where to go. And she even brought us bag lunches. (laughs) It is like, okay, here's your lunch. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I feel like I'm just like in kindergarten and Tracy's just going to like tell me where to go. And I remember when I got back to LA, I I was thinking like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like I have to do, (laughs) I have to do my life now. But but when I was thinking about that experience, like just how nurturing and supportive it was, like I, really begin to understand that you were you were trying to create a space for these artists to just like create their art mm-hmm. and to be purposeful about the work they do so like how did you come to that like how did you know to that that space is needed particularly in a world where people who like us who are trying to create art or have like so many things in our plate and um have so many responsibilities mm-hmm. yeah well, I just think of my own life experience as, you know, a mixed race indigenous woman. I feel oftentimes a lot of the work I burden and carry and shoulder just mm-hmm. incredible responsibilities at all times. And that's not unusual mm-hmm. for us as women, as women of color, as indigenous women. We are the matriarchs, we're the sisters, we're the mothers, we're the daughters, we're the housekeepers, we're the breadwinners, Mm -hmm. we're the community organizers, we're doing the work. Yeah, we're every woman. the time, yes. (laughs) Whitney Houston. Yes, Whitney Houston. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think about Fourth World Media Lab, I wanted to create a space where we as a group can do the work, the cohort can do the work, 
mm-hmm. of being a filmmaker, of learning, of having not to shoulder responsibilities, of not having to think about the outside world mm-hmm. for just a brief moment, knowing that their needs will be taken care of and that they're well thought of. Right. And that um, they can just let go and mm-hmm. learn and not multitask every second and just truly be present. And that's something I see, you know, I, I think of the gaps that occur for indigenous filmmaking because people are holding down so many different jobs, mm-hmm. so many different roles, just so much. How can we go to that next stage of learning and skill building to better ourselves in our career? Right. Um, so I just wanted to mm-hmm. be able to provide, you know, within the work of Fourth World Media Lab, um, that realization that's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be taken care of. It's mm-hmm. okay to be in community and to treat yourself to just learning and enjoying yeah. and being present. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you did a, a great job of that. You know, and I was there as like part of the facilitation team, and I, I felt very <laughs> taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. Um, so I actually wanted to just kind of chat about some of your non-filmmaking work, because mm-hmm. you have a Wikipedia page. I do? You, you, yeah, you do. You haven't really? seen it? Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, you need to go to your Wikipedia page. It's oh, very is it nice. good? Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I was surprised by all the non, like, non-filmmaking non stuff that you do. So, like, your work with the Seattle Arts Commission and, like, your work as an educational consultant and as a Native naturalist. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause, That's so funny. Yeah. You did <laughs> Check it out when we're done. <laughs> Speaks to how busy I am. I know. Like, <laughs> You'll have time to look yourself myself. up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have a life. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I, I guess how I got into filmmaking was with my interest in natural medicine. Oh, okay. And so I was working in the Skokomish Reservation for Bruce Miller, and PBS wanted to do a story about him. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can only if you have a Native intern because our people need to learn the skills to tell our own stories. Mm-hmm. And I was working in uh, compost at the time in the garden, in his garden. And um, so wait, was, so what you were like teaching how to compost? No, or? I was learning. You I was were learning. Oh, okay. I was okay. learning about okay. traditional gardening and plant medicine. And mm-hmm. I was really interested at that time in compost and how, <laughs> but you know, it makes sense. I'm going to jump into yeah, compost ahead. for a second. Yeah. So compost is this creation of, you know, bringing all these different components together mm-hmm. to break down and reemerge into something new that's nurturing. Oh. And in a way I feel like that is the foundation of my work is I love bringing people together mm-hmm. to create something new that's going to benefit even more people. Yeah. Um, anyway, so through <laughs> that, uh, experience, I was asked by him and one of the, uh, professors at Evergreen who knew that I was interested in education of Native youth, if I would be interested in being on the film project. And at the time I was like, who, me? Like, I'm working in dirt. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea or concept or even interest at the time. Mm-hmm. in media. Um, but one of the lessons I've learned in how I was raised is when the elder asks you to do something, mm. you say yes. Mm-hmm. And so I trusted that instinct and I said yes. And that was almost 20 years ago. Okay. Um, I jumped in it was, and that was teachings of the 
tree people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, teachings of the tree people. That was my first project. And it was an incredibly generous crew mm-hmm. um, that allowed me to grow and truly fall in love with the process of filmmaking and mm-hmm. storytelling. And then I just took it forward from there. And Bruce Miller is just two days before he passed on, we showed him the final film for his mm-hmm. sign off and approval. And mm-hmm. he looked at me and he said, it's up to you to take this knowledge forward. And mm. I took that to heart, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, this isn't knowledge that's just for me as an individual, but mm-hmm. it's a knowledge for the wider community. So yeah, yeah. so I've done a lot in life. <laughs> it started with traditional medicine mm-hmm. and, um, went into filmmaking, but also that thread of the natural world has always been part of what I do. So mm-hmm. I created curriculum and signage at the um, Seattle Art Museum for mm-hmm. their sculpture park that identified natural plants. Right. Um, I've worked with youth. I've done a lot of art curation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in my role as managing director at Neotero, mm-hmm. Um, we're committed to working with indigenous peoples in relationship to the environment and culture. So the environment right. is still very still much part of, it. Part of yeah. everything I do. Yeah. So um, Nia, your work at Neotero is your new job. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, we were talking about it um, at Sundance and you were saying you were so excited because you had like all native staff mm-hmm. and some of them already knew, like some of were fourth world media people. Mm-hmm. And, but you were just giddy about that. And I love that. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about um, Neoterra. I know we learned a little bit about it um, last night. So um, Renelle Schubert is here with me. She's the producer. She's over here doing her silent thing, making sure everything is being recorded. <laughs> but um, we went to this amazing um, fellowship dinner for the Neoterra fellows, as well as the Fourth World Media Lab fellows, and had amazing food. And... Um, Mia, what was Mia's last name? Mia Kami. Mia Kami from Fiji. Um, she actually sang two beautiful songs. And one of the songs I'm completely paraphrasing, but I saw our host who was, what was his name? Chris Chris. Flaherty. Yeah, yeah, Chris, yes. Um, restated it. Um, and the quote was, um, essentially, when we look at ourselves as individuals, like, what kind of ancestor do you want to be? That, that's the question. Like, what kind of ancestor do you want to be? And I remember when I heard that, I remember um, having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were, like, debating, you know, voting. And this is, like, before the Orange Menace got into office. And, you know, um, she was conflicted. Well, she decided she wasn't going to vote for Hillary because, like, you know, Hillary wasn't the perfect candidate for Mm -hmm. her. And I was, like, telling her, why? That's not a good thing, you know? (laughs) Even though I'm not, wasn't a huge, I wasn't like a number one Hillary Clinton fan too. Mm-hmm. But like I, the way I looked at it, so I'm looking at it at the long, the long game. I'm looking at it how, as to how like the people who will come, I don't have children, but like the people who essentially would be like the age of my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, mm-hmm. like how, what they, how they would benefit. Because that's how I feel like my ancestors looked, looked at saw me, you know, because when you think about my great, what, my great, 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 I don't know, well, multiple great-grandmother, you know, grandparents were were enslaved, Mm. and at a time where there was, like, no hope for freedom, Mm. but, you know, they dreamed of freedom, and they weren't thinking about it for for themselves, they were thinking about it for me, Um, so I'm I'm getting a little teary. That's Um, beautiful. So when uh, Mia's saying, what kind of ancestor do you want to be, and Chris kind of reiterated it, 
but they kind of extended it like to seven to eight generations. And that just kind of gave, that just gives me chills. And I think that's how we have to think about the world because I, I feel like I'm going to be doing things in the world that people who come after me and after me, who I'll never know will benefit from. And Nia Tarot seems to be fostering that. So tell mm -hmm. us what it is and... Yeah, I won't cry yeah. over here and, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and get teary. But. Yeah, no, thank you for that, yeah. for sharing that moment. That's mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. Um, so Nia Taro was um, birthed as a group of people led by Peter Sel Seligman, and he um, initially founded Conservation International and was there for many decades and as his retirement project, it's <laughs> like, what can I do different? And um, learned about the statistic that 80% of all biodiversity is on indigenous health territories. Mm. And that the world is healthiest where indigenous peoples are actively living and thriving and being in community. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that blow your mind? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for him, he was just like, people got to know about this. This mm -hmm. is essential in saving the health of our planet. And so he started Neotero with that in mind. And again, we work alongside indigenous peoples mm -hmm. in relationship to the environment and culture. And part of that work is helping people secure their territories and mm. protect okay. um, their inalienable rights to be in place. Mm -hmm. And it's been a interesting amazing journey because when I started they were barely two years old so mm -hmm. it's a startup organization okay and how long have they been around uh just as of December 2019 they turned two. Oh, just <laughs> so. two okay <laughs> and I've only been there for six months right so for I've been around for a quarter of the lifetime of the organization right in six months um we've evolved and changed even in that time mm -hmm. um and we're a global organization, mm -hmm. and we're a diverse organization. So around half of all the staff are indigenous, mm -hmm. and half are non-indigenous. Mm -hmm. So there's all this foundational work that we're doing, too, to figure out our identity, our working right. practices. How do we communicate as a global, diverse staff mm -hmm. who are in service to indigenous peoples and mother earth. Right. And so it's really dynamic. It's very exciting. It's um, a little bit of a clean slate, although okay. there are these ways that we know we want to head, mm -hmm. but we're also just in this question asking period. What mm -hmm. do communities need from us? Okay. What's most effective? When I came in as the mm -hmm. managing director of storytelling, I brought with me an intense passion mm -hmm. for amplifying indigenous voices, uplifting mm -hmm. indigenous community and creating networks. So um, being able to have our storytelling fellowship and the fourth world fellowship right. now that's part of Neotero too, mm -hmm. um, is a huge godsend because for me, that's what it's about. It's about creating capacity, mm -hmm. building skills, bringing people together so then they can also share with one another right. and build out into their communities. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. sharing power and amplifying power. So how were the um, fellows for Neo Terra selected? The story what's that process? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. storytelling fellows 
it was a curatorial process. Mm-hmm. And so since this was our inaugural year, right. our first year, mm-hmm. um, that was essentially me and my co- my colleague, Daniel Lin, who leads all mm-hmm. of our Pacific storytelling, um, just looking around at talent and thinking about who can we get in the room? There's six fellows. Right. Who can we get in the room to also help us think about the fellowship and how the fellowship will best serve other people. Okay. And we felt like we didn't have all the answers, so we wanted mm-hmm. to ask fellows who also had significant life experience right. mm-hmm. who were willing to share with us their right. ideas so we could collaborate mm-hmm. this year on best practices. And then Fourth World mm-hmm. is an open call process. Right. Okay. And so that's a partnership. It's Neotero, Longhouse mm-hmm. Media, Seattle International Film Festival, mm-hmm. Big Sky Film Festival, and Camden Film Festival. Okay. And as this collective, we put out an open call globally for the first time ever. Okay. And mm-hmm. so we have uh, fellows from around the world. Yeah, Fiji is, is representing. There are a lot of Fijians <laughs> last night. Fiji, Tonga, uh, yes. Solomon Islands. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Spanish-speaking peoples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the... Um, the dude from Russia, <gasps> Keeley. Keeley, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's he's like he's from the U.S., but his people are his indigenous, indigenous heritage. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. an area near Siberia. Okay, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, so they're from the land now called Russia. Yeah, now um, Russia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> currently, currently called Russia. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And he, I don't know if you've, I didn't get a chance to talk Googled to him, him no. or Instagrammed mm-hmm. him. Okay. But, if you look up K I L I I I, okay, and his last name is Y U Y A N. Okay, mm-hmm. he's a phenomenal photographer, just incredible. Okay, okay. He also hand makes um, skin mm-hmm. uh, kayaks in the traditional way because oh, wow. kayaks were born of his indigenous peoples. I guess that's the oh really recognized heart of okay how. Kayaks right. came to be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, look him up. He's okay, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So how will the um, Neotero Fellows work directly with the Fourth World Fellows? So um, so both fellowships mm-hmm. are under kind of my guidance. Right. And um, they are different because the Storytelling Fellows, and we have to figure out a cooler name than Storytelling Fellows. Yes. <laughs> fourth World Fellows has yes. a cool name. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> It'll come to you. Yes. Yes. Um, But for now, the storytelling fellows, uh, they come from all different types of storytelling. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be film, traditional, Mm -hmm. tattoo, uh, performance, song, Mm -hmm. photography. And Fourth World Fellows is strictly filmmaking. And it's filmmakers who have some amount of um, lived experience as a filmmaker at least two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's... Um, a cohort that is really dedicated to building their skills right. and building out their ability to navigate the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, the media world mm-hmm. <laughs> industry. <laughs> right. So um, I, I know you explained last night, for, but for those who don't know, tell us how you came up with the world, uh, the name Fourth World Media. Yeah. Lab. So Fourth World Media, um, so I began that fellowship six years ago mm-hmm. in Coast Salish Territory, Seattle, mm-hmm. Washington. And in starting this new fellowship and then thinking about the intentions of it, I felt that it was important to ask an elder what an appropriate name would be. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a man, and he told me the story about Fourth World, which is a time when Mother Earth finds herself in deep pain, and Mm -hmm. humans have imposed 
much tragedy and harm on the environment. And it's a time when the stories of indigenous peoples will be called upon for healing. Mm -hmm. And so that was just, that gives me chills right now, even to think about that moment and understanding the power of storytelling. And it seemed like the perfect name for this filmmaking fellowship Mm -hmm. to acknowledge, you know, this skill set in these individuals is about creating medicine and healing for the future. Right. So do you view, um, do you see filmmaking as medicine? Well, storytelling as medicine? Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I guess that relates to my beginnings in the garden. Yes. It's just, it's all full (laughs) circle. Mm -hmm. Um, I see gathering together as powerful medicine in person, especially this, you know, in these times of fake media and all these distractions, to be here in a room together, vibing off of each other, Mm -hmm. sharing story, talking story, um, learning from one another is uh, revolutionary. And Mm -hmm. just the act of sharing story is a process for healing for a lot of our filmmakers too. It goes and, back to that yeah. space of, you know, being seen and heard, mm-hmm. you know, and bearing witness to one another. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that has to happen in a safe space, mm-hmm. I feel, um, in order to take that ability to navigate the industry to the next level. Right. Right. So I wanted to talk about some of the... Um, folks I met like last year who, uh, and I know I'm, and this, I'm not leaving anybody out intentionally, but these are like people who just kind of like stuck with me. Mm. Um, so um, Ivy and Ivan McDonald. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about that brother, sister powerhouse. Team. Yeah, yeah. Brother, Blackfeet, Blackfeet, brother, sister powerhouse. Oh, and from... y'all, we had Blackfeet. So the bison tongue was actually a, a Blackfeet <laughs> dish. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, traditional. I learned that last night from Ivan. <laughs> it's pretty cool, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was very and good. tasty. Yes. <laughs> Thinking about it this morning when I woke up. Oh, so just a side note. So uh, after we had our, our dinner, there were some dudes, you know, doing their fire thing, caveman out on the grill. And so they were grilling bread and, and making essentially like, I guess, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> The equivalent of what we would call, but with like the um, with like good, really, really good bread and like with and buttered, and then with the various meats because we had so we had some venison and we had some of the bison meat, and they made like for me they made it a bison tongue and um, mushroom sandwich, which was amazing. Holy yeah, on the grill, wow. it was so good. It was so good. So I woke up thinking about that this morning, but of course I have no bison tongue right now. But anyway, so tell us about Ivan and Ivy. <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was here at Big Sky mm-hmm. five or six years ago, and I was on a panel, and Ivy approached me to do a story, a journalism story for her school. She was in film school at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just recognized a uh, you know, powerful being before me and kept in touch. And as Fourth World began developing, just invited Ivy in mm-hmm. at first, but through inviting Ivy into that circle, got to know her brother, Ivan, who was also at the time the liaison for the festival and is currently the mm-hmm. indigenous liaison for the festival. Um, and so Ivy stuck through you know two years of Fourth World. Mm-hmm. Um, Fourth World's templated, but it's not strict in the sense that you're in one year and then you're out the next. If I see that there's a need to continue working with someone or supporting them, they carry over. And Ivy was one of those persons that I thought 
would be a great benefit to work with her an additional year. Mm -hmm. So when we did that, her brother kind of came into the fold as well. And so he came to Camden with us. Mm -hmm. And they are telling a very personal, powerful story that's reflective of the MMIW movement mm -hmm. or the Missing and Murdered Indigenous yes. Women mm -hmm. awareness that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But they're not telling the story from a stats point of view, uh, because for a number of us indigenous persons, we're, um, we hear this on a daily basis and you just, it gets to be traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they're very aware that they want to make it known that these are human beings that are impacted, that these are mothers, sisters, daughters. And so mm -hmm. their storytelling is about who are these women. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's powerful and it's humane and they just got their first, uh, diversity fund grant. Yes. From ITVS? Yes. From yeah. ITVS. Oh, we can announce that now. Okay. Yep, we yeah. We can announce it. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. but it's been great to just support them through the, you know, program and learning how to submit to these applications, mm -hmm. thinking about what does it mean to be a producer, how to fill out the paperwork, right, all that. Right, right admin icky <laughs> unfun <laughs> the stuff non that's part fun of filmmaking <laughs> the not that's necessary that's necessary <laughs> but, but hateful mm -hmm. <laughs> oh and then what about um raven two feathers raven yeah two raven feathers. and i got to hang out a lot at um in seattle and just amazing just an amazing personality but i feel like in our conversation my conversation with her about you i feel like you kind of like you like her filmmaking, like mama in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause she, I think she, I think she, well, they mentioned that they met you when they were in high school. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. the filmmaking program that, or fellowship they ran before fourth world media lab was called Superfly filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And so Raven came through at age 16 as a high school student, um, working in our Superfly fellowship and so I've just stayed in touch with Raven ever since. They're really persistent and talented and driven. And Raven, yes, was a she when I first met them mm -hmm. and then has since over this past year transitioned. Mm -hmm. And so Raven goes by he um, and they, them. Okay. And so part of this year has also been creating media around what does that mean to transition as a young indigenous person? Right. Because looking around, there's no materials, there's no stories, mm -hmm. there's no media that they can find that's specifically related to the mm -hmm. two-spirit experience of transition. Right. And so Raven created a zine and just had okay. their basically almost like um, a coming out party on February 14th on Valentine's oh, really? Day. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. And premiered their zine in front of a huge audience and... Mm -hmm. It was really great to just be in this atmosphere where they were self-advocating and had control over how they wanted the world to see them and took mm -hmm. that space, but also just radiated it out to all the other young two-spirit people right. in the audience. Like, it's okay to be you. Mm -hmm. You do you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's good. Yeah. And we're here to support and love you. And so it's been fascinating to see how Ravens use their media-making skills mm -hmm. to liberate who they are in their identity, but also right. to open the door for other people to feel liberated in their identity. Oh, that's so great. Yay, Raven. Raven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then also, oh, 
And um, JJ Nathan, who is um, Cree mm -hmm. from the north of us, yes. <laughs> Canada. Yeah. JJ does documentary, yeah, documentary and narrative mm -hmm. as well. And we kind of, we both have bonded like over our love for the TV show Hannibal. So <laughs> we talk about that on Facebook. But <laughs> we, miss it. we want Hannibal back. But, but anyway, tell us about JJ. <laughs> um, JJ's legit. Yeah. JJ is navigating the industry well. Um, Canada is totally different than the U.S. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's much more support and there's much more infrastructure. Mm -hmm. At least from U.S. eyes, but, you know, through conversation, that's the way it seems. Do you think and there's more support yeah. in Canada for Indigenous filmmakers? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe the golden handcuffs I've heard it referred mm. to because mm -hmm. there's a lot more support, but then there's also certain parameters that you have to fit into or your story has to fit into. Okay. Or you have to make a story to... Um, you know, that's part of this kind of greater sequence or ideal of the broadcast system. Mm -hmm. um, so in a way, it hampers from what I've heard from people. Um, their Do you mean like creativity. in regards to like, like new, like investigating new work in new documentary forms? Yeah, so there might be more infrastructure, training, money, um, support in so many ways for Indigenous filmmakers in Canada but in the U.S., there's maybe a sense of it still being very pioneering and mm. people are pushing the limits and making stuff that might feel uncomfortable. And okay. um, the media being created here might be f might feel kind of raw or edgy in a way that opens mm. up minds and is still mm -hmm. just, yeah, just generative creative energy that doesn't necessarily have bounds always or this imposed upon structure from okay. the outside because you have to do it a certain way in order to get money. People are like, I'm just going to make it. <laughs> yeah, to get paid, yeah. And, mm -hmm. right, right, right. And in the U.S., there's kind of a sense of I'll just make it by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting conversation between First Nations filmmakers right. and Indigenous filmmakers based in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, but I do admire the the resources that yeah. First Nations filmmakers have. And in many ways, fourth world media, mm -hmm. um, I want to emulate, at least in part, having access to skill building and mm -hmm. um, resources and just you know equipment that I see really builds out the industry up there. Right. Okay. So we got off JJ. Oh, Sorry. yeah. So we JJ. So JJ is part I, of I that. I asked the question that got us <laughs> off of there. But yeah, so back to JJ. Okay. Oh, JJ, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so JJ is uh, fortunate to be in a very supportive mm -hmm. um, industry in Canada as a First Nations filmmaker and is legit in doing the work. And recently um, was on a project called Trickster. Mm -hmm. I believe that's public. You might want to check that. Okay, I'll um, check it. We'll check it. I'm pretty we'll, sure. Otherwise, we'll edit it out. It is yeah. Not. We'll bleep it. <laughs> um, but I haven't stayed in touch with G JJ as much as the other filmmakers, just mm -hmm. simply because JJ's been busy doing the work. Yeah, she's working. Yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. um, that's really great for mm -hmm. the other filmmakers of Fourth World to see yeah. that their you know, colleague mm -hmm. and the cohort's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a resource because of that. Oh, and then I also I wanted to ask about um, Cleo. Because um, Cleo also works yeah. in the, um, well, I, th I think if I remember the doc and narrative space, right? Mm -hmm. well, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cleo works in doc, narrative, experimental. Mm -hmm. 
experiential too, creating space. Okay. And then also is someone who's been the subject of a number of films, including a beautiful one by Sky Hopinka. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cleo is also very interested in language preservation. Mm. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think is just kind of, you know, the world's wide open to Cleo right now. Yeah. It's fascinating to follow them on social media <laughs> and just, I'm always curious. And they are one of the most supportive people ever. I mm-hmm. noticed the way Cleo interacts with the other cohort members is just like, I've got you, I see you. Yeah. And that's just a dream as an organizer to see this ecosystem mm-hmm. build mm-hmm. and you see that, you know, it's a family. Yeah. And people have each other and are taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I remember, well, in being in Seattle, like meeting some of the fellows from past years, you know, and mm-hmm. they were clearly there. I think a, um, one or a couple may have had films in the festival, but they were really there like to support those who were up and coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just really great to see. I think that's all I got. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You have a movie here. A big sky. Oh, we're, I do. And by yeah. here, we mean we're a big sky. Um, so, yes, tell us about your movie here at Big Sky. <laughs> Forgot about that. You do so much, Tracy. You're doing everything. You're, you are every woman. <laughs> can you cut that into this, the song? Yeah, yeah. This part, yeah. Well, I don't know if we, or we can, can you pay. We don't it? know if we got the money to pay Whitney. But, you know, or her estate. I don't know. But we, we, can talk, we can figure it out. We can research it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I was the impact producer for Dawnland, an amazing mm-hmm. film that came out in 2018. Yeah. And one of the elders in that story, who mm-hmm. is just, her name's Georgina, uh, who's just a spitfire, an amazing, um, vulnerable, strong individual, we decided to tell just a short mm-hmm. story about her and her search for her identity. And so Dear Georgina's playing okay. at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival, and um, it premiered at Camden, actually. Okay, so, great. Uh, we're mm-hmm. just still early in mm-hmm. our festival run, but it was a, it was um, really beautiful to see Georgina watch herself. Mm-hmm. And her words after the screening was, everyone needs to share their story because that's how you heal. Mm. I was like, okay, Aww. there you go. And just to have her seal of <laughs> approval, yeah, mm-hmm. um, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, but the but the programming here at Big Sky, I think, is brilliant. It was programmed with a slate of other films, and the through line was about family separation. Mm, and you okay. would, you know, first thought you would look at the films, not think that they really go well together, mm-hmm. but. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant emotional package. So Mm -hmm. it was an honor to be paired with the other films in our block. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tracy, for being our first guest. Thank you. What an honor. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, can I say one thing? Yes, please. 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 Um, I just want to acknowledge that we are gathering here in the lands of the Kalispell and Salish peoples, as well as the... um, it's a gathering place for many nations, but we want to uh, also say thank you to Blackfeet Nation for their help in fourth world media here at Big Sky. 
we are truly living in a new world. This crisis we're going through will hopefully leave us in a place to embrace a new normal and will allow us to never take for granted the time we spend together. As Tracy says, there is medicine in gathering together in person, sharing story, and talking story. These are revolutionary acts. And lastly, the What's Up With Docs podcast would like to offer our condolences to Tracy and her family at the loss of their father, Samuel Lee Rector. His passing is a reminder for us all to take the time to sit with our parents and grandparents and encourage them to share their stories and wisdom. We dedicate our inaugural episode to him. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Visit our website at whatsupwdocs.com. That's whatsupwdocs.com. And make sure to sign up for our mailing list to get the latest show news. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at whatsupwdocs. Again, that's whatsupwdocs. And remember, keep telling your stories. Today's program was hosted by Tony Bell and produced and edited by Rennell Schubert. Music is by Sierra Thomas.